Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's your Cleveland Guardians 6, the Chicago White Sox 3. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And guess what? With the sweep of the Chicago White Sox, we got to play three of the four games set. Let me introduce to you, with a 7-5 and five record, your first place Cleveland Guardians. That's right. We jump into first place in the American League Central Division. I know it's still, well, it's actually not that early in April. We're at April 22nd here. So we're getting through the month of April and we are taking over first place in the division. I bet after we got swept by the Giants, you didn't see that coming, did you? All right, well, let's get into this game. It feels good to say. Let's get into the game and let's talk some storylines. Let's talk some storylines in this one because this this was a game. There was a lot happening in this game. You had two pretty good starting pitchers battling things out. Dylan Cease for Zach Plesak. Uh, there was a lot of action in the field in this one. And actually, my top storyline of this game was the big momentum plays. There were some huge momentum swings in this one. And it starts with Fermil Reyes in the bottom of the third inning with two outs, the big two-run home run that gets the scoring started. It actually starts with a Stephen Kwan double. This actually comes after the second inning when Ernie Clement led off the inning with a double, and then nobody can move him. Jimenez would pop out. Oscar Mercado would fly out to right, and Austin Hedges would line out to end that threat. Well, we do it again in the bottom of the third inning off cease. This time, Stephen Quad doubles on a line drive to right field. Ahmed Rosario would ground out. Uh, Quan can't advance. Jose Ramirez would ground out. Quan would move up to third. With two outs, Fermil Reyes comes up. Now, what sets up this home run? First off, he's go- he went to right center with it, right? We love when Fermil Reyes goes to right center. That's definitely a nitro zone of his. Like, that means his swing is good. Now, granted, we all love when he hits bombs to the bleachers and left, but right center field is a great approach for him staying on the baseball. Now, what sets up this home run? Well, you got to look at the matchups. You got to look at the matchup between Cease and Fermil Reyes. The first at-bat against each other, what is the first pitch Cease throws him? A four-seam fastball. Now, he misses way off the plate, but first pitch, four-seam fastball. Then decides to go all sliders. Misses with, uh, low with a slider. Frankly, misses again with a slider off the plate, but it's called a strike. And then he throws him another slider. I don't know if it got away from Cease. I don't know where the catcher was set up on this. But it is middle of the plate, up at the letters, up at the shoulders, frankly. And uh, he hits it into left field for a single. All right. So, first pitch, four-seam fastball. What do you think was the pitch the next time Fermil Reyes comes up? Four-seam fastball. Down the middle of the plate, at the thighs, just below the belt, and he absolutely smokes it. 103.2 mile-per-hour exit velocity, 31-degree launch angle, 400 feet to the seats in right center field in front of the bullpens. So Fermil Reyes, paying attention, gets that big home run. Now, I will tell you that Dylan Cease did learn from this experience, right? Baseball is a game you're always learning. The next time Fermil Reyes comes up, throws him in the same location, an 80-mile-per-hour knuckle curve this time. 
that he swings through for strike one, then throws him two sliders off the plate, gets him to continue to expand the strike zone after this, uh, with the third slider being even, or the third pitch of the at bat, then second slider being even further outside, and he chases both of those pitches to strike out later in the game. But, right, they learned from each other. They were paying attention. So that was the big, first big momentum swing of this game. The next one actually comes in the bottom of the fourth inning, and once again, Fermil Reyes is involved. Uh, this time, with a couple runners on, Luis Robert would smoke a double to start the inning. Lurie Garcia would walk something Plesak never does. We're going to talk about Plesak in detail here, but Plesak doesn't walk people. That's the one thing he can hang his hat on, and he walks Lurie Garcia here, and it would come back to cost him. Jose Abreu would come up. He would smoke a double, uh, you know, a Big fly all the way to the corner, all the way to the wall in right field. For Mil Reyes, that is not gonna that's not gonna happen, right? For Mil Reyes can catch a fly ball, and he has a pretty good arm, which he's about to show. But running back into the wall, I just don't see that as something that Fermil Reyes is gonna come up with. That would have been a hard catch for Oscar Mercado, let alone uh Fermil Reyes. In fact, let's see here. I wonder what the expected batting average was on his double. It was only it was an expected batting average of 220. So they do expect an outfielder to be able to make this catch. Uh where the ball was hit, how hard the ball was hit. Maybe if Mercado's out there in right field, he comes up with this, but still you're crashing into the wall. That adds a layer of difficulty. So Fermil Reyes can't catch it, but but Luis Robert gets a terrible jump at second base. He thinks he has to go back to second and tag up. He thinks Fermil Reyes is going to catch it. So, therefore, he gets a terrible jump. Lurie Garcia is right on his heels, so he can't retreat back to third base. Uh, You almost thought they were going to throw both of these guys out of the play. It's a good thing Garcia did double back to third base um, because he would eventually come in to score on the next batter, a sack fly to Fermil Reyes. But, uh, you know, Fermil Reyes recovers the ball makes a really strong throw to Ernie Clement, who makes a strong throw home, and they nail Luis Robert by, what, 10, 20 feet? Not even close. So for Mio Reyes, another big momentum play here. It should have been a big momentum play for the White Sox. They are able to scratch out a run uh, with a sack fly in this inning, but it should have been, it should it could have been a two-run double. It absolutely, Gar- Garcia was running from first base like he wanted to score uh, from the crack of the bat. And if Robert had been on his horse too, or if he had read the play and realized Fermil Reyes wasn't going to catch it, it probably would have been a two-run double. So instead, we throw someone out at the plate. Always fun. Uh, they do score, again, another close play where Ernie Clement was drifting back on it. At the last second, Fermil Reyes calls him off. Clement has to kind of dive out of the way. It trips up Fermil Reyes a little bit. Makes his throw just a little bit late, but you got to admit, it's a strong throw from Fermil Reyes. He threw a bullet uh, to Austin Hedges there, who in in position to make a good tag, just the runner beat the throw. Um, so, yeah, that's the one thing you can say about Fermil Reyes out there in right field is dude can throw. He's got an arm. So that was another big momentum play in this game. That inning could have been so much worse for Plesak. Next big momentum play for me comes in the top of the seventh inning. Now, we're going to get to the rest of the Guardians offense here, but I'm just talking these huge momentum plays here. The Guardians push out to a lead. Uh, They're up four to one at this point. 
Uh, Trevor Steffen would come in after Plesak gets the first two outs in the seventh. Gavin Sheets would single. So they'd go to the bullpen, bring in Trevor Steffen. He'd give up a single to Jake Berger, but with two outs, he's about to get out of it. Adam Halsley chops one back to the mound, and Steffen just throws wide of Josh Naylor. And then to compound things, uh, Ernie Clement tries to hustle and get a throw home and ends up throwing it over the catcher's head. It goes all the way to the backstop, and two runs come into score. So we go from a 4-1 lead and a ground ball that should get us out of the inning to now a 3-4 game. And suddenly, uh, the fans, you know, you know, everybody uh, clenched up a little bit there in the stadium, right? It got a little tense in that stadium. He is able to strike out Tim Anderson to get out of it, so Stefan gets out of it. And then in the bottom of the seventh inning, we deliver another big momentum play here. Um, it could have, would it have gotten him out of the inning? No, it wouldn't have gotten him out of the inning. But uh, Ernie Clement reaches on a fielder's choice. So we actually already score a run on this one. Miles Straw would single uh, to start the bottom of the seventh. And Naylor would rope a double down the right field line. He's fired up. It scores Miles Straw. So we already have another, a little bit more of a lead. Everybody can relax a little bit. It's five to three. And then Ernie Clement would chop one to Tim Anderson at short. Tim Anderson having just the worst series of his life defensively. Tries to tag Josh Naylor running between the bases. And frankly, never really fields the ball cleanly, right? He, he swoops up the glove, tries to scoop that ball up and bring it up to tag Josh Naylor. Now, normally he would be bringing that ball up to his throwing hand, right? So he'd have that throwing hand on the ball. So even if that ball does squirt a little bit in the glove, move a little bit in the glove, he's got his throwing hand there. He's bringing his hands together to make that throw to first. This time, he's trying to scoop up the tag Josh Naylor, and he just never really squeezes the ball in the glove, and it squirts out, crashes into Josh Naylor, who nobody wants to crash into Josh Naylor running at full speed. That guy is a tank, and uh, Naylor's safe at first, and uh, everybody's safe. Ernie Clement's safe at first. Everybody's safe. Andres Jimenez would hit a sack fly to left field to bring in Josh Naylor's score and make it a 6-3 game. So, again, huge momentum play right there. They have a chance to make it out. Instead, we got runners on the corner, and we delivered the go-ahead run, another go-ahead run, to make it 6-3. So, those were the big momentum plays there. I thought those were the big storylines, the biggest storyline of this game. So, uh, other things going on in this game, man, the offense was just, the offense was just rolling for the Guardians. I mean, everybody was coming up big in this game. Every single person uh, for the Guardians, even the pinch hitters yesterday, everybody got a hit. Every single person delivered a moment, a hit, an RBI, a double. We had three doubles on the day. A big home run from Fermil Reyes. Uh, he has two RBIs. Josh Naylor has two RBIs. Uh, he got a seeing eye single at one point and then a double that he ropes down the line. What was the exit velocity? He absolutely smoked that double uh, down the line. 110.1 mile per hour exit velocity. Was it the top exit velocity on the day? No, that would actually go to the uh, White Sox. Man, they hit Plesak hard. Again, we're going to get to that in a second. Uh, Berger had one at 114 miles per hour. Luis Robert at 112. Naylor was the top Guardians hit on the day at 110 mile per hour exit velocity. Then Berger has the next two. Man, Berger was smoking some balls at 106.6 and 106.3. Those are your top five exit velocities 
on the day in this game. But yeah, uh, you know, some two out magic here coming up with big hits when it was necessary. Uh, getting the little things done, like the sacrifice flies were huge from the Guardians hitters. Uh, like I said, in the second inning, they have a chance. Clement doubles to start things off, and they can't get it done. The big hit wouldn't come until the third inning with two outs. Uh, when Fermil Reyes is able to lift that home run, uh, the next time they have a chance to score um, would be in the fifth inning. Quan would walk to kick things off. Man, it's fun when that guy gets on base. Jose Ramirez would hit. We actually got quite lucky in this inning. He hits a little flare, a little chopper to third base. They have the huge shift on, so he's safe at first uh, with an infield hit there. Fermil Reyes would strike out on those sliders, and Naylor would deliver that seeing eye single. So two out RBI hit again here in the fifth inning to make it 3-1. And then uh, in the bottom of the sixth inning, doing the little things here. After Andres Jimenez singles, Oscar Mercado singles, Austin Hedges at this point doesn't have a hit in the game, but lays down a sack bunt. Huge, perfect sack bunt right out in front of the play. And in fact, almost beats it out. Grandal almost overruns it, and Hedges almost beats it out. Uh, but he moves those runners up, and Stephen Kwan delivers the sack fly out in the left field. The little things in this game, uh, getting the job done. And then uh, Andres Jimenez would have another sack fly in this game. So the little things uh, stretch this out to a 6-3 lead, and the bullpen is able to put it away. So fantastic job by this offense. Some two-out magic in there, some little things in there. That's how you win a ball game right there. Doing those things is how you win in Major League Baseball. So let's talk a little bit about pitching. And you probably think, based on the box score, that Zach Plesak had himself a pretty good day. Six and two-thirds, seven hits, two runs, one earned because of the errors, the throw by Stefan and all that. One walk, three strikeouts on 85 pitches. However, however... He was hard hit so many times. He gave up 13 hard hit balls. 61.9% of the hard balls hit yesterday were considered hard hit balls. 95 plus mile per hour exit velocity. They were absolutely smoking the ball all around the park, and he was just getting lucky. He was getting some real luck out there uh, that these balls were getting caught. And he kept going to the changeup. He threw a ton of changeups in the zone. He was attacking the zone with changeups. In fact, it was the pitch he threw the most on the day. And I'm not sure why, because it wasn't really working. They took 20 swings at his changeup. He threw it 27 times, the fastball 25, the slider 20, and the curveball 13 times. They took 20 swings on his changeup and only whiffed once. He only got two called strikes on it. It has a CSW of 11. I don't know why he went to this pitch so much when it wasn't working. It hasn't really been a great pitch for him all season. Jumping over to fan graphs, they have the weighted value of pitches. And the weighted value of that pitch yesterday for him against the White Sox was at negative 0.2. So it had negative value for him. It was his lowest rated pitch on the day. Now it's all pretty tight here. His highest rated pitch was a slider at 0.3, but uh yeah, it's not been a great pitch for him and yet he keeps going back to it and went went back to it so many times in this game. 
and they were just absolutely smoking it all around the ballpark. Uh, the forcing fastball was a little better for him. Uh, they swung 11 times with three times, but he got seven called strikes on it. It actually has a CSW of 40%. That was a good pitch for him, the forcing fastball. I don't know why he didn't rely on that fastball more often in this game. The slider was also pretty decent for him. Nine swings, four whiffs, a 44% whiff rate. Two more called strikes gives it a 30% CSW. So yeah, the slider and the fastball. The slider's a good pitch for him. That's always been a positive pitch for him when it comes to the weighted value uh, that Fangraphs calculates. So I don't know why he was so insistent on that changeup yesterday. Maybe it's something in the scouting report about the White Sox that they can't handle changeups. Clearly that wasn't the case because they were absolutely destroying some pitches. Um, That 114 one that Berger hit. Now I don't know exactly what pitch it is, but I can tell you, uh, you know, baseball savant, stat cast, will tell me what the speed of the pitch was. It was 83 miles per hour. If we go back over to his player breakdown here and look at the pitch velocities, that's probably the slider. The changeup averages about 85. The slider averages about 83. And the fastball is over 90. So I'm guessing that was actually the slider that he smokes at 114 miles per hour. The Luis Robert pitch that he smokes at 112 was an 89-mile-per-hour pitch. So maybe a hard version of the changeup, maybe a slowed-down fastball there. Uh, The other ones that Berger hit hard were either the slider or the changeup. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why he kept going back to that pitch. And Plesak might be 1-1 on this season. He might have a 1.53 ERA. He might have a 1.08 whip, which all sounds good. But if you go over to the percentile rankings, this guy is icy blue in the 2020 percent, 2022 percentile rankings. His hard hit percentage is in the bottom 10 in the league. His expected batting average is bottom 7th percentile. Expected slugging, bottom 9th. K percentage is bottom 18th. The only thing he's elite at, the only thing in the red, is his walk percentage, which is the 88th percentile. Whiff percentage is 33. Chase rate is 41. All right, some of the other things about him here. Uh, That changeup of his, right now they only have a 167 batting average against that changeup, but an expected batting average of 315. So again, in different situations, in different ballparks, in different conditions, whatever, however they calculate this expected batting average, and this is where a little bit of that luck comes into play, they expect it to be 315. It's only 167. They expect the slugging percentage. Ready for this? The the actual slugging percentage against this changeup is 417. They expect the slugging percentage to be 922. I mean, that's a huge huge difference weighted on base percentage at 256 they expect it to be at 499 against this changeup. i mean that is wildly different so yes he is getting by with it right now but i do i mean i really would consider if i were him maybe bringing down the amount of changeup he's throwing and throw more fastballs and throw more sliders see what you can do with those pitches because um, the numbers aren't that drastic for his other pitchers. But for his changeup, that is very drastic. Uh, the expected versus the actual difference right now. 
So he is getting a little lucky with that changeup. And he's lucky to get the win on this day. I mean, for a guy hard hit that many times, that many smoked balls, right? He gets crazy plays like the throw home from Fermio Reyes. Um, you know, he kind of gets by. The offense puts up some good numbers for him, right? Some good run support with six runs. So Plesak gets by on the day. Uh, next pitcher for the Guardians we got to talk about is Trevor Steffen. I thought he was really good on the day. Going to his player breakdown, um, you know, he throws mostly fastballs, mixes in eight splitters, which I think is a new pitch. I think I heard them talking. That's a new pitch for him. Uh, and uh, throws five sliders and gets some whiffs on all those pitches. He had a 44% whiff rate on the day. Um, three whiffs on the fastball, two on the splitter, and two on the slider. Uh, his total CSW on the day was 33%. Um, yeah, I mean, did a really good job coming in. Should have got out of it. If it wasn't for that error to first base, which, hey, he made the error, so it's on him. Uh, he would have gotten out of that seventh inning. And he comes back in the eighth inning and just pitches absolutely fantastically in the eighth inning and really shuts things down. They The fact that they don't have to go get, get another arm out of the bullpen, that he can kind of give them these one-plus innings. He gets Luis Robert to ground out, and then Lurie Garcia strikes out swinging, and Jose Abreu strikes out swinging. Let's go to those matchups. Let's see what he did in those at-bats to strike those guys out because it's always interesting to see the pitch mix here how he attacks them. So he starts him off with a forcing fastball that he misses into the left-handed hitter, then throws him another forcing fastball, frankly, in the same spot off the plate. Man, this ump was given a wide strike zone on this one and gets it called for a strike. It missed inside. I'm telling you right now, looking at the chart, it missed inside, and he gets it called for a strike. And then he falls behind on this one, throws him a splitter that he misses with outside, throws him a slider that he misses with inside, so he's really, he hasn't thrown one pitch in the strike zone, and he's in a 3-1 count. Throws him a four-seam fastball, that frankly, down the pipe, but a 95.3-mile-per-hour fastball that he fouls off. Throws him a splitter in the same, right down the middle of the plate. Man, he got lucky on this one. Fouls it off, and then comes back with a high heat, 96.3, top of the zone, and gets him to strike out swinging there. So maybe it was the change in speed between the splitter and the fastball, that gets Larry Garcia to strike out. But he got away with some pitches in the middle of the zone there. And then Jose Abreu comes up, misses with a four-seam fastball high, comes back with a four-seam fastball, paints the bottom of the zone, paints the knees for a called strike, goes to the top of the zone, gets him to swing through a high fastball at 97.1, really putting a little bit extra on it, and then throws him a splitter down the middle of the plate. But again, it's the change in speed. Uh, and gets him to swing through it for strike three. So that's splitter and fastball. I'd love to see Pitching Ninja do one of his overlays here to see the difference in those pitches and see how those pitches break off of each other. Because I'm sure they're tunneled to look like the same pitch, and then that splitter just drops, and the speed difference, and he's striking out Jose Abreu. So, great job by Trevor Steffen there. And then, you know, Emmanuel Classe, just solid in the ninth inning. He's not going to strike out a ton, but he gets those ground balls. He gets Yasmani Grandal to line out to short. Andres Jimenez out there at short, remember, in this game. Eloy Jimenez would fly out to left field. And then Gavin Sheets grounds out to short to end it. And frankly, Andres Jimenez looks good playing shortstop. He looks smooth. There's been a lot of conversation about Ahmed Rosario and how bad his defenses have been at shortstop. 
Andres Jimenez looks good playing shortstop. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of conversation about the long-term shortstop for this team. Is it going to be Jimenez? Is he eventually going to find his way back to his natural position? Is he going to hit enough? Or is it going to be Gabriel Arias? And Jimenez just keeps playing second base. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. Ahmed Rosario, we, we love his bat. We love his speed on the base paths. What is what? I'd be interesting to know what Antonetti and Chernoff see as a long-term plan for Ahmed Rosario. Or are they thinking, this guy's great now, but we could be better? I don't know. I, we all love seeing his hustle. We all love having him on the team and in the lineup. Uh, he seems like a he brings a big energy and a big boost of speed to this lineup. So it'll be interesting to see how that shortstop position shakes out by, by even the middle of the season, right? Remember, baseball is slow moving. It's 162 games. It takes all summer. It's a glacier. These changes happen slowly. So these changes might not happen until June or July. But chances are by June or July, you never know what this lineup is going to look like compared to opening day, compared to April. So we'll see how this all shakes out. All right. MVP on the day for this one. I got to give it up to Fermil Reyes. Not only did he hold his own out there in right field, despite, you know, not being able to run that ball down in the corner, he really did hold his own in right field. He was solid out there, made some strong throws, and the big two-run home run. He finally gets his first home run of the game of the season. That had to feel really good for the big man. Let's see if this gets him rolling heading out to New York, right? Uh, you know, the left, the right field porch isn't exactly uh, where he goes for home runs, so I don't think that will help him. But Yankee Stadium definitely is a home run ballpark. So we'll see how it goes for him this weekend uh, up there in the Bronx. So Fermil Reyes with his big home run to kick off the scoring and uh, to kick off his season gets MVP for the day. All right, that is all my thoughts on this one. It's going to be an interesting series up there in New York. Which offense is going to show up, right? The offense that scores double-digit runs or the offense that can barely scratch across one? Who knows? The Yankees pitching is not as good as the Giants pitching. It's a home run, you know, haven for some of those left-handed hitters. So I think it's going to be a pretty high-scoring series. I believe it's not officially on the MLB app yet, but I believe uh, Eli Morgan and Kirk McCarty are supposed to make starts in this series and that Savali is going to pitch the finale. Remember, we're still dealing with some of those guys out with COVID, so we don't get Quantrill. Instead, Eli Morgan is going to get a chance to start. Is Eli Morgan stretched out enough to go deep into a game? Is he going to have to, is it going to be a piggyback situation where, uh, you know, a Pilkington or a Logan Allen is going to take, you know, the third time through the lineup. It'll be interesting to see how far Eli Morgan can go. Hey, if, even if he can give us three strong innings to start the game, that'd be pretty good uh, for a guy who's been pitching out of the bullpen all April. So we'll see what goes down there. Either way, let's just enjoy it for today. Your first place, Cleveland Guardians, with a sweep of your rival, Chicago White Sox, your AL Central rival. All right, that is all my thoughts on this one. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final from Cleveland. It's the Guardians 6, the White Sox 3. We'll be back to talk everything this Yankee series all weekend long. Always fun to face the Yankees. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. 
Let me know your thoughts on the game and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor. So if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play it back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.